0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I was listening for it, but I don't think I heard it. I was listening for somebody to chuckle or to laugh along with Sarah. Okay. You did. Okay. I was listening, but I, didn't, I, I thought maybe there was somebody stifling a, a laugh. Um when she overheard the lord tell abraham that she was going to have a son in her old age it says that sarah laughed to herself i want to talk about the story from genesis 18 and you can understand why sarah laughed um it says that abraham and sarah were old and they were advanced in years and then the previous chapter tells us exactly how old they they were abraham was 100 years old sarah was 90 And so, I I think that the writer wants us to kind of chuckle along with Sarah when she hears God's promise that she is going to have a son. Now, I did a little bit of digging. The oldest mother on record to conceive naturally was a British woman. Guess how old? She was 59 years old. She conceived naturally. And in typical English understatement, her husband said, This came to us as something of a surprise. (laughs) Something of a surprise. (laughs) Now, the world's oldest verified mother who can prove her age with a birth birth certificate. There's lots of claims that I'm the oldest mom, but this one could show the birth certificate. Um, She was on fertility treatments and she was 67 years old and gave birth to twins. Bless her heart, and her and her husband and their family. But here is Sarah, 90 years old, no fertility treatments, uh, no nor hormone home, treatments, and the Lord makes this promise: you're going to have a son, and not just any son, but this is the son from whom a nation's going to come. And this nation is not just any nation. Okay, this is not just any son. This is not just any nation, but this is the nation that's going to bless the whole world. And uh, I wonder if there are promises of God that you find difficult to believe, to trust in, to bank on. Maybe it's the promise of eternal life. I mean, God promises that those who trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, He will raise from the dead to eternal life. Sometimes, given our Rational minds, that's hard to believe. How about the promise of complete forgiveness? God promises that those who come to His Son in faith have been completely forgiven. If you're in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Um, Completely forgiven, no matter what your past, through Jesus Christ. Sometimes that's a, a hard promise for people to believe. How about this promise of a new heaven and a new earth that Jesus makes, that God makes, rather, in in the book of Revelation? God promises His people a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a holy city, where God will wipe every tear from their eye and He will dwell with His people. So I wonder today, are there promises that you hear God making in Scripture that you find hard to believe? What we see in this story of Genesis 18 is is a God who meets his people with promises. He makes promises to his people and then he works to create faith. In those promises, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, how God makes promises and works then to create faith in his promises. And the first thing I see here, I want to point out here is that this promise of God comes to Abraham in the context of fellowship. In the context of fellowship, the Lord makes a special appearance to Abraham, says in verse one, the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as Abraham was sitting at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He didn't want to be out working. We can understand that here in St. Louis He didn't want to be out working in the hot, humid day. So he's sitting at the door of his tent. He lifts up his eyes and looks and beholds, three men were standing before him. Now, Abraham, I don't think at this point has the full picture of who this is, but He's had interaction with God before. He's had miraculous sort of things happen in his life. So he has an inkling that the Lord is at work here in a special way, that, that God is here present in some way. And so he bows uh, to the earth when he sees these three men. And um, I think what's happening here is that you have a, an, a, an appearance of the Lord, what's called a theophany, and two angels are accompanying the Lord. And uh, some people take this to be a, a manifestation of the Trinity, And that's okay too. Uh, Historically, theologians have have said that. But I think what we have here is a a miraculous appearance of God along with two angelic beings, because later on in the narrative, you read the story, uh, you see there's a distinction between the Lord and these two men. But at any rate, what we can say safely is God is coming to Abraham personally. He makes a special appearance to Abraham. And then look at Abraham's response. He responds with hospitality to the Lord. He wants to have fellowship. Abraham wants to have fellowship with these divine guests. And so he says, oh, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, and I love this line, do not pass by your servant. Don't pass me by. And so Abraham shows great hospitality. He says, let's just have a little at first, he says, a little water and some bread. But then he puts on a royal feast. Okay, Sarah, start making some cakes. Okay, let's get the calf and let's get that prepared. Young man, go ahead and get the calf and then we'll have curds and milk and and we'll lay this feast before our divine guests. And this is really a feast fit for kings in this context. This is a royal feast that Abraham is putting on. He wants to have fellowship with the Lord. You know, meals mean relationships, don't they? A meal is a place of fellowship. And today's Father's Day, a lot of fathers are going to gather around the table with loved ones and have fellowship. So meals mean relationship, fellowship. In the Bible, it's the same thing. You see it over and over again. And in the ancient Near East, in this context, oftentimes a covenant, an agreement between two parties was sealed with a meal. We see that in the Old Testament, for example, at Mount Sinai. After God gave the law to Moses. I never noticed this before until I studied this week. But after God gave the law to Moses. The people confirmed the covenant. They said yes we, we, we will obey this law. And then it says they had a meal. In the presence of the Lord. Exodus 24 11, They beheld God and they ate and drank. They were ratifying this covenant relationship. With a meal. Another place where we see a meal. In the Old Testament is as part of the Levitical code, part of the sacrificial system, one of the offerings, one of the sacrifices that the people of God would offer is the peace offering. They come into the, the the presence of the altar. They present their offering on the altar in the presence of the of the priest. But then they would sit down in the presence of God with guests and they would have a meal. And that was a way of saying, you know, this relationship with God has been reestablished. We've been forgiven through the sacrifice. And now we're going to celebrate that forgiveness and this relationship that's been restored through a meal. So meals are very significant. Of course, we think of Jesus at the Last Supper, and this is what we we reenact each Sunday. We, we reenact a, a covenant fellowship. We participate in the covenant fellowship with God through Jesus Christ at the table And Jesus said at the Passover meal, this cup is my blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins." So meal means fellowship. And Abraham had a meal with the Lord. And here's the point that I want to make. Friends, it's in the context of fellowship with God. That we hear God's promises. And that we begin to grow and trust those promises. It's through a relationship with God that we hear him speak his word. And we can grow and trust that word apart from the fellowship, apart from the relationship. It's not a surprise that people don't have a sense of the promises of God or hope in the promises of God because the fellowship, the relationship's not there. But it's in the context of communion with the Lord through prayer, through scripture, through coming together in worship at church and in other ways that we hear the promises of God. And we can begin to grow and trust those promises and live by those promises. Now, a few weeks ago I heard his testimony, a remarkable testimony of a young mother whose husband passed away suddenly. And she had two little boys, and in an instant she became a widow. Her husband died after just a short illness. He had some underlying medical conditions that they didn't know about. He had the he had, had the flu and then it went into pneumonia, and, and before you know it, he passed away in their house. And uh, she told this story because she said what happened next was as the paramedics were working on her husband in their house, she went downstairs and she went into her purse and she pulled out a three by five card because a couple of years before this, she started to sense that, you know, what? my relationship with God is growing distant. She's a young mom, busy mom, two children. It was hard to make time. For a relationship with God. But she just felt that distance growing. And she said I'm not in a healthy place spiritually. So one of the things she began to do. To, to hear God's promises again. In her life. Was to write down some scriptures. She'd go through the Psalm and, and psalms. And, and, and uh, every day she'd write a scripture. That spoke to her. And she put it in her person, this Ziploc bag. 3x5 index card. And that very day. She's in, in her house. As the paramedics are working on her husband, and they come down and they say, we, we're we sorry? We we've did everything we could. He's gone. And she pulled out the scripture card, and it was the scripture for the day. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And she said, I just kept saying it over and over and over again. There's the promise. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And she said, in that moment, I had this supernatural peace that I can't explain. Yeah, It was difficult the days afterwards, but I went through the difficult days with that promise, with that hope. God's going to help us. God's going to help me and my little boys. And she has a testimony about how God did that in her life. But that's the point I want to make, friends. It's in the context of fellowship with God. Lord, don't pass me by. Lord, you're you're the one who makes these promises. And so I need to live by these promises. I need to live with this hope. So don't pass me by and reaching out like Abraham did, to have fellowship with the Lord. So the promise comes in the context of, of fellowship. And, and I wonder, and I thought about this in my own life, do I have the heart of Abraham in this, of saying to the Lord, don't pass me by. I'm going to make more space. I'm going to make more time to fellowship with you so I can hear these promises and claim them for my life. So that's, that's, that's one of the ways that God's teaching us here how to live by His promises. We, we have fellowship with Him. And then the second thing that I want you to see here is something really simple that God says. And uh, it's in verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, what's so funny? <laughs> Why did Sarah laugh? And say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Here's the thing I want you to take away here. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing's impossible with God. I mean, it's very simple, but very logical. If you believe there's a God. Right. If you believe that there's a God. And last week, we we read the creation story. If you believe that behind the universe, there's a God who created all this, who created life, who. Is the source and origin of life, then it's no problem for God to create life in a barren woman. It's not a problem at all if you believe, if you start with that premise that there's a God who is the creator and the source of life. But Abraham and Sarah had a problem with that. I mean, they had received this promise before. Abraham had received this promise before of of a child that Sarah was going to give birth to. And it says, this is Genesis 15, that he believed the Lord. But then later on, they, they believed that God was going to give them a the son. But they wanted to help God out with this impossible promise. So they did something in those days that was akin to, you know, um, fertility treatments. I mean, this was as common as you get or as close as you get to fertility treatments in those days. And this was common practice. Sarah said, OK, my maidservant here, Hagar, she's of childbearing age. Abraham, why don't you marry her? And it's it's from her that's going to come this promised child. And it says that she conceived and she had a son, Ishmael. And they thought, okay, we've helped God out here with this impossible promise. But then God comes again to um, Abraham, and this is in chapter 17. And he says, no, you got it wrong. The promised child is going to come from Sarah, your 90 year old wife. And guess what Abraham did in response to that? He laughed. So he laughs in, uh, what is it, Genesis 17. Sarah laughs in Genesis 18. Everybody's laughing about this. And God says, what's so funny? (laughs) Is anything too hard for the Lord? You see, if you do, if you start with this premise that there's a God who created the universe, and there are good reasons to believe that, by the way, And I like to quote me, maybe you've heard me say this before. I like to quote the Nobel Prize winning physicist, Sir John Polkinghorne, who made this point. He said that the first three minutes of the universe, everything had to be so precise. And I don't know every all that factors into this, but the weak forces and the strong forces and the gravitational pull and all this. All everything had to be so precise in the first three minutes of the universe. That for it to happen by random chance would be like hitting a bullseye 20 billion miles away. That's the probability, mathematically, of the universe just coming into being randomly. So, there's good reasons to believe that God is the source and origin of life. And if you believe that, then nothing's impossible with God. He can, if He chooses, intervene in miraculous ways. So, if you struggle with believing the promises of God, if you struggle believing some of the things that you read in Scripture, just remember what God said to Abraham. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He can intervene in his miraculous ways when he chooses. So what we see in Scripture is God who, I think he just loves to make these promises that make us scratch our heads and think, how in the world are you going to do this, Lord? Because he wants to prove that he's faithful to his promises and it's not about us. It's about him and his glory, and he invites us in to get in on the fun and the adventure. I think when the people of Israel read this story. They said. Wow, without God's miraculous intervention, there's no way we would exist as a nation. It was impossible for this to happen, but God made it happen. And I think we as Christians are meant to read a story like this and to understand the same thing. You know, apart from God's miraculous intervention, there would be no church. There would be no Christian. Movement, there wouldn't be no body of Christ if he had not raised Christ from the dead. And we see the things that Jesus said to his apostles in our gospel reading. He sends them out on a mission, the 12 apostles on a mission to do seemingly impossible things. Heal the sick and raise the dead, cleanse lepers and cast out demons Apart from that miraculous work, it's hard to understand how the the Christian movement expanded and grew in the ancient world. We're not part of just another institution, friends. We're people of the promise. We're people who have a God who's demonstrated his miraculous intervention in the world. We serve a God who promises impossible things and then he delights to prove. That he's faithful to those promises. So friends if you're having a difficult time. Believing some of the promises of God. Draw near to him in fellowship. And consider the source of the promise. This is the God. Who delights to do impossible things. Nothing is impossible. With him. Amen. Amen. Friends. Let us draw near to the Lord. Who makes. Precious promises to us, and even as we come to the table here in just a minute, receive those promises in a fresh way for our life. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're faithful. We thank you for your promise to Abraham and the nation, the people of Israel, from whom came the promised Messiah. And in him is our hope and our joy. Help us as your people to live by the promises you've made. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. And to trust you more and more in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.